Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm Cassandra, and I am so grateful that you're here with me today for yet another episode. Before we dive in, I wanted to chat about just a couple of things that have been going on within the Calm Collective um, and, in turn, my life. So I've been working diligently on the Declutter Method online course. If you follow me on Instagram, you're probably familiar, or if you're a part of the newsletter community, um, you've heard me talk about this a little bit. I am so, so proud of this, and it really is just such a labor of love. It shares my own personal journey with not only clutter, but my relationship to things, my programming, and how I've learned to decondition. I'm still working on that every single day, Um, but also my experience with sentimental clutter, as well as the process of sifting through things after the death of my father. So within this course, we go through things in such intimate detail to ensure that we don't just declutter on the surface, right? Rather, we get to the root of the issue because this is where the real change in magic happens. And this course is absolutely for you if you're tired of the emotional and material buildup around your home, you constantly feel overwhelmed, you feel like you can't manage or prioritize your time well, or you have the tendency to impulse spend. All of these things sum up the things that I was going through, and it took me years to finally figure out that it was so much more than just going through my closet in my home and getting rid of things that like didn't light me up or were just taking up space. It had so much more to do with the emotional programming and setup that was going on within. So if you're feeling called to this, even the tiniest bit, I invite you to sign up for the pre-registration list. This will lock you into early bird pricing, which is 50% off the total cost, but this will only last for one week. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes for you. So that will go live on March 18th and it will go into regular sign up on March 26th. So this course is a six module course that you can take at your own pace Maybe you're someone who likes to make a weekend out of it and do it all in one sitting. That's me. Or perhaps you like to integrate the lessons little by little. Take your time. There's truly no wrong way to do this. You'll also get lifetime access so you can revisit the courses whenever you feel pulled to do so. So if you're feeling like you're relapsing a little bit or maybe you feel like you need to do one of the courses over again, you can do that for as long as you live. The only other thing that I want to touch on um, before we dive into today's episode is the newsletter, as I mentioned briefly before. I had an awakening, we'll call it, where there was a while there where I just wasn't feeling, I was feeling really disconnected from it all. I hadn't sent out any newsletters other than letting you know when a blog post went live. And I think that's just because I felt a little empty in that arena. It It wasn't until I started getting back into my meditation practice, working out on a regular basis, getting really good sleep, and essentially just taking care of my mind and my body that it clicked. I was disconnected from myself, so therefore I wasn't able to share from an authentic place. I had very little to give, and I realized in turn I wasn't getting anything back. So again, I just felt pretty empty. So that day that I had this ping, that the light bulb went off, I created from the moment I woke up until the moment I fell asleep. It was so magical and I was on a total high because the truth of the matter is that I love writing, but more than anything else, 
I love and value the human connection. I'm not writing for it to just be lost in translation, right? I'm writing to heal myself and hopefully help heal any of you who might need it. And simply by sharing my own experiences, even when they're a bit grueling and scary to share. And that's the point. And same with this podcast, because life is messy and it's hard and it's also really, really beautiful and complex. And what is the point if we're not in it together and sharing our pieces, right? So I sent out this massive newsletter last week to all of my subscribers, letting them know what to expect moving forward. And I want you to know too, in case you'd like to join in to the community. So while I'll still be blogging once a week, maybe more depending, the newsletter is where a majority of my heart and soul is going to go into. This feels really important. This is where I'm going to be sharing exclusive content, stories that I'm not sharing on the blogger podcast, and a vulnerable behind-the-scenes vibe. So this is also where I'll be offering up exclusive discounts for courses moving forward. So it's basically like this tight-knit community to where I don't mean to exclude anyone, but it's just putting in that extra effort for the people who are putting in the extra effort for me. I'm still showing up everywhere else, but this is just like a little bonus to thank these people. So, you know, the way I see it is that you're choosing to show up again and again. You're choosing to have me in your inbox and you're willing to have these conversations and not just read what I write and click the X when you're done. Being seen and recognized as a human being is a really powerful thing, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot. It's what motivates us to keep sharing, to keep growing, right, and to keep connecting. Can you imagine if you had a conversation with somebody, maybe over the phone or even in person, and you shared this story and they just looked at you and walked away? Or they just maybe gave like a slight nod and they walked away? On the flip side, when you send out something in a newsletter or a podcast, and it's crickets, and you don't hear anything, you immediately are basically telling yourself, okay, that didn't land for anyone. Nobody cares. And while it's not the main goal, right, to get likes and validation, the main goal is connection. So I think therein lies the disconnect. We tell ourselves, well, I shouldn't care so much about what people think. That's not the point. The point is in the connection. I found myself the other day reading a powerful email from a woman I follow on Instagram. And as soon as I finished reading it, I took a deep breath because it was so impactful. And what did I do? I clicked the X. A few minutes later, I was just kind of going through my day and I literally had the thought of, wait, why didn't I take two minutes to reply to her and let her know that I see her and I appreciate her? Because I do so much and I could feel how vulnerable and scary that that email must have been for her to send. And if she stopped sharing, if she wasn't doing these emails anymore, if she left Instagram, if she was no longer sharing, I would miss her presence. I would miss her message. And it's up to me as one of her readers to let her know that her work matters. She matters. So validation is an ugly thing if it's the only way we define our worth. That I know to be true. But validation from those we share with is a means of lifting one another up. It's reminding each other that we're not in any of this alone. And if you've been here long enough, you know that's my MO, that we're never, ever in any of this alone. Okay, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for hearing me out on that piece. And if you want to sign up for the newsletter, I invite you to check out the links in the show notes. You can sign up for the Monday Mindfulness Newsletter, which is a little note 
from me to you every Monday centering around mindfulness. Pretty self-explanatory there. Wednesday's newsletter is more of a real talk newsletter where I share personal experiences and stories and real-time struggles and triumphs. This also signs you up for the Friday recap, which is just a really short email um, with a handful of things that I'm loving, what went live on the blog and podcast, and my favorite behind-the-scenes photos that I leave unedited, which is crazy for me. Being a photographer, having like a curated pretty feed is again, another MO. And um, it's been a vulnerable experience to share unedited photos that I'm sending to like my friends and my mom um, with all of you who sign up for the newsletter. So it's been really fun. So join in if that feels good to you. Okay, on today's episode, we are covering something that I think is so, so important when it comes to grieving and healing within loss. So whether you yourself are the one that's suffering or if it's someone you love, there are pieces within this episode that we can all take away to help ourselves and one another. I really can't wait to share this with all of you as it's truly changed my path with grief and made it even just a little bit more gentle and bearable. Ready? Here we go. Something that I think that's worth exploring is the difference that comes along with practicing self-care from a stable, balanced place, and then trying to practice self-care when you're in a place of mourning. This is a thought process that I've picked up on throughout my journey with grief, and it's surprising to me that certain acts can feel not great when I'm in the place of feeling knocked down. For instance, a manicure or binge-watching a TV show. For any of you who are in the thick of your own grieving process, or perhaps you know someone or have someone close to you dealing with loss, I wanted to share some suggestions of gentle acts of self-care that can offer some serious relief. Please note that these are, of course, all opinion-based. They're what's worked for me and brought me peace to my mind, body, and soul. So the first thing that I can't recommend enough, and this is something that I actually started doing pretty soon after I lost my dad, was to get a massage. It's important, though, to be specific about what kind. I don't need to tell you that not all massages are created equal, (laughs) and when I'm in deep mourning, the last thing I'm looking for is a Thai massage or a deep tissue massage. It's important to know how impactful the act of human touch is. So when you're booking one for yourself or for someone you love, be sure to mention that you're grieving and that you're looking for something super gentle with calming and supportive aromatherapy, so like lavender or something like that. Allow yourself to be specific about who you'd like to do the massage. If the opposite sex doesn't allow you to fully relax, don't judge yourself. Just politely ask for what you need and try your best to be vulnerable about what you're experiencing within that moment. Again, the power of touch when you're grieving is incredibly, incredibly healing. Herbal tea truly is your best beverage friend. When I feel myself dipping back into grief, I try to avoid alcohol and caffeine at all costs. It does nothing for my mental processing or anxiety. Rather, it just speeds up my nervous system and sends me down this long, dark road, especially alcohol. Truly, if you're grieving, I don't mean to preach, but if you are able to push that to the wayside, 
I really, really recommend it. I tend to rely heavily on chamomile tea or kava tea, and I just add a little bit of almond milk to make it frothy. It's super warm, it's comforting, it's calming, and it just allows me to have a clear head and to feel my feelings from a place of balance. The next thing would be to listen to supportive music. I actually have a playlist on Spotify called The Dad, the Playlist Dad Made. Um, right after my dad had passed, the printer at my parents' home wasn't working, and we had to print out a million documents for the insurance companies and funeral arrangements. And once we got it up and running, things had been backed up, and the first document to be printed was a list of songs that my dad had typed out. We're still not sure why, but we took that as a sign of him saying hello, <laughs> and I brought the playlist to life through Spotify for myself, my mom, and my sisters. So now when I'm struggling, it's my go-to playlist because it makes me feel closer to him somehow, listening to the songs that were his favorite right before he left this earth. Now, I know not everyone has something like that, but compiling songs that make you feel held and balanced is so healing, whether it's songs that you think this person would love, whether it's songs um, that are instrumental and don't offer up much mind clutter, um, songs that have really, really um, healing and soothing beats. I would try to avoid anything with too much tempo or songs that are extremely sad and moody. It's beautiful and healthy to feel what you need to feel. I will say this so many more times. It is beautiful and healthy to feel what you need to feel. But much like alcohol, just be conscious of your nervous system. The next thing would be it's okay to say no thank you. I want to be super clear here that I am a firm believer that no is a complete sentence, whether you're grieving or not. But especially in times of mourning, being able to say no without feeling the guilt that often lingers behind is so important. Remember that the people who are meant to be in your corner won't have a second thought about you needing to take time for yourself. But it is up to you to communicate what's going on so that you can be properly supported. So for instance, the month of June is always super difficult for me. It's my dad's birthday, it's Father's Day, and the holidays as well. My dad passed nine days before Christmas, and um, I'm always really open with my friends about where I'm at, the space that I'm needing, and just letting them know I might fall quiet from time to time, and that I really appreciate their understanding. If your partner is the one that's grieving, or your best friend, or anything like that, you can even offer up to help be their vocal cord. If they're having a hard time communicating with the rest of your group or, you know, if you and your partner are being invited to things and your partner's feeling overwhelmed by having to say no to all of these things but really just doesn't have the energy or the mental capacity to move forward, offer up your support. Offer up to be their no. Um, that was something that was really, really helpful for me. I had one friend in the beginning who just designated all of my no's, designated how I was doing and what I needed so that I didn't have to do it one by one. Another thing that I talk about pretty often just within my um, daily rituals is to take baths with Epsom salts. Um, Epsom salts are really, really important and medicinal. And when you're grieving, it's crazy how much your body physically holds on to that sadness, pain, and overwhelming energy. Again, this is why massage is also really important. I remember for about the first year after I lost my dad feeling physically weak and sore, like to the touch, very sore. 
The same is said when people are clinically depressed. Our bodies respond to our hearts and our minds, and that's such a beautiful thing, but it can also be really detrimental to our health. It's it's one of the most healing things that I found when my muscles begin to ache out of deep sadness, um, warm baths with a lot of Epsom salts. Not only does it help to promote stress reduction, but it can also help to reduce physical pain and swelling within the body. I do this any time of the day, but um, one of my favorites is to do it right before bed. Another thing is to cook comforting food. And again, if you are someone who is walking alongside someone else who's grieving, you can do this for them. In the, ve- in the very beginning, it's um, extremely normal to not have an appetite at all. Honor that. That is totally okay. Your body will figure itself out. I didn't eat regularly for almost three weeks after my dad passed, but it's not what my body needed at that time. I didn't need food to survive. I needed sleep and I needed to cry. After a while, my body figured itself out and told me that it was hungry and it was craving nutrients. When I'm in deep sadness, soup is always my go-to. It's warm, it's smooth, it's comforting, and it never leaves me feeling too full. Plus, there's something about preparing a good soup that's soothing in itself. Chopping in the kitchen, the smells, the garlic on the stove, which is why it's made this list. The act of chopping, like I said, is something that's mindless, right? Yet it requires some focus. And the smells, it's just healing to the soul. So figure out what meals feel the most comforting to you. And make a ritual out of it by lighting some candles and playing your playlist that I mentioned. Next one is you can buy some super soft linens for your bed and crawl right in. Having a place to sleep that is like a cloud when you're grieving is so important. Because sleeping while grieving is so important. It's one of the most healing practices I can think of. It completely resets your nervous system and gives your body and your heart the release it needs to let go and unwind fully. This is also where you can tap into your lost ones in your dreams, whether you believe that to be true or not. I have spoken with so many people, even the people who um, are a little cynical with that stuff, who have been able to tap into their loved ones while dreaming. So this is something that you should never feel guilty about, needing sleep during the difficult times, even if that means that you need to to back out on some commitments. Again, going back to the no, you are allowed. But it's imperative that wherever you're sleeping is comforting. So I can't recommend investing in some soft butter-like sheets. I opt for microfiber, and I always buy them in white because I just feel like it's the most healing color. Plus, it means peace and neutrality. Um, so for an extra good sleep, also make sure your room is dark and cold. Another one is to ask for help. So in times like these, it's so important that you do what you need to do for you. If you're parenting, I completely understand how this might not be realistic, but there are always, always ways to ask for help and support. By now, I'm hopeful that you know who your circle is of people who you can rely on. So understand and believe wholeheartedly that there's nothing wrong with with asking for what you need. If that means you have to ask a friend to watch your child for the day, do that. If it means that you need your sister to just come sit next to you in silence for a few hours, do that. Or maybe it means that you need a coworker to take over your emails for the day so that you can heal your heart. 
Just ask. There's no harm in asking for what you need in times of grief. Just be mindful of who and how often you're asking. That's the only um, extra piece of advice I want to add to that. Also, getting out into nature. No matter what the season, getting outside will immediately change the dynamic of your heavy heart. I'm not implying that it will wipe away the sadness entirely, but the shift that happens when we put ourselves into nature is so powerful. Subconsciously, we understand that we're a small piece of the puzzle, that there's so much to the world that we live in, and that breathing in fresh air can at times feel like we're breathing in new life to our lungs. So give yourself that gift. And the best part is that it's free and you can do it for as long as you need. The last thing would be to take a healing trip. If this is something that you're able to do, whether it's a town nearby or it's a solo trip to Hawaii, that's what I'm manifesting right now. And whether you want to be alone or you want to bring a friend, consider planning a trip and making it healing. What does this mean? Well, I think it's different for everyone. For me personally, a healing trip would consist of not making any other plans than just knowing where I'm staying and knowing what I want out of it. If I want to explore, I'll explore. If I need to just marinate and be at one with my thoughts on the beach, I'll just spend my days on the beach. If I want to try new foods, I'll try new foods. If I want to live off of fresh juices, I'll do that. Maybe I want to go to the cold springs each morning and sleep the rest of the day on the sand. The point is that it's up to me and how my heart is feeling. It's my own healing trip. So gentle self-care is imperative during the grieving process, but it just might take some time for you to come to terms with not feeling selfish about it, and that's okay. Give yourself that space to come to those terms, and when you do, start trying out one or two or all, things from the list, and see how they feel. Be good to yourself and be gentle with your heart. These are trying, trying times, and in full transparency, they're not going anywhere. Grief after loss is a lifelong process, and it will show up inconsistently. Having these gentle self-care practices in your back pocket might be just the thing that you need to love on yourself and to let others love you back.